If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everybody, welcome back. It is another episode of DadCast. I'm JP. That guy is Nick Martin. How are you, Nick? I'm good. How are you, man? Um, it's cold, and we're due for a crazy winter storm in our <laughs> neck of the woods. Now, depending- I know I've, I've been dealing with this since three thirty this morning with our concert that we were gonna do. And- yeah. Oh man. And Craziness. depending on when this episode actually drops, because we're not doing it live, um, it very well could be early spring. We're hoping to be sooner than that. But uh, and so if you're watching now and we're about snow, just know that this was recorded back in February 23. Today on the show, we have an amazing guest. He is the former strength and conditioning coach of the Seattle Seahawks. He is an amazing author. And as you can see here shortly. From his background, a Super Bowl winner, um, he is Mr. Chris Carlisle. How are you, good sir? Well, was, hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. I'm jacked up about this. Ward Bond said, "Hey, you you've got to get on the Dad Cast, and and uh, hey, you guys let me know about it and got me on, and I'm excited about this. This is a great and, time. And here we are. are. So yeah. is that the actual trophy or is that, that a replica yeah. back there? I stole it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, those are kept in pretty high, you know, pretty guarded. That's that's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, it uh, it was a gift from um, uh, Daryl Bevel, um, uh, Dan Quinn, who's the, the uh, coordinator with the Cowboys, uh, Tom Cable, who's the offensive line coach, and Brian Schneider, who's a special teams coach, got all of the assistant coaches and everything a Super Bowl trophy of our own. So that is awesome. That was, that so, was a tremendous gift. They were they were just such wonderful men, and uh, they taught me so much. I've been blessed by the people I've been around. It's just so cool. And but they they gave us all a, a trophy like that, and it was really great. Now now the 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 most important question here is: Can you raise your hands real quick? Oh, I don't wear that stuff. No. <laughs> I got my one right there. You know, but you, but you own one, right? Oh yeah, I've got sixteen. So so I got Ooh. a box. Yeah, I got a box and safe deposit box. 16 I, Super Bowl rings? 16 uh, championship rings. Oh. So, yeah, I, I coached for 35 years. So I was at the high school level, the junior college level, the college level, and then finished with the NFL. So each level I was able to win championships then. So it was, yeah. a, it was a heck of a ride. I was blessed 
I was around great young athletes. I was great around great coaches who, who taught me every day. And I think that's the thing that we miss most in life is those people that are around us that we can go ahead and learn lessons from. Even though I was a head strength coach, I still, Mondre G and Jamie Yanchar, um, uh, Aaron Osmus, uh, Tatiana Ubakova, all my assistants, they taught me every single day because I knew I didn't know enough. It took a long time for me to figure that stuff out. Yeah. All right. In chapter one in my book, Move or Die, I talk about my three deadly bullets I, I came into this profession with, and it was arrogance, ignorance, and inflexibility. When I got out of college, I didn't apply for an assistance job. I, I thought, why would I want to apply for an assistance job when I know more than everybody else? Bill Walsh didn't know as much as I did back when I came out of college. Okay. Well, when I was driving the bus home and we were one and three, I finally had that epiphany that I didn't know anything about football. And I went back into it. Uh, my ignorance came when I, again, I thought it was, I knew everything and I finally figured it out that I didn't know anything. And then all of a sudden uh, my, my inflexibility, you see the zipper on my head here came about because uh it wasn't me. It had to be them. And I, I, when I was coaching, I had, I, I had one big tool in my toolbox and that was yelling. You know, my, my, the people I grew up with, Bobby Knight and, and uh, uh, Woody Hayes, uh, Vince Lombardi, they won and they yelled. So I figured, Hey, one and one right here. If I yell, the louder I yell, the more we're going to win. And then I had this accident here with a chicken house fan. And the doctor told me the last thing he told me after he said, you can't strain, you can't hold in a sneeze. You can't get, take contact. You can't lift weights. He said, you can't yell. And it was like, Oh shoot. You know, that was, right. I looked at my toolbox and that's all I had. Now, before then my record as a coach, and this is going to, this, this may amaze you. I was 33, 77 and one before the accident. Okay. So you hired me in my first 11 years, you could be sure of three wins. Right. Well, because I went along with that tool. Yeah. After the accident, I went 251, uh, 77, and one. Okay. Now, this was, again, I'm going to get up on the pulpit here, but God works in different ways and he nudges you along your path. With me, he took a chicken house fan, hit me upside of the head because I was so hard-headed. And what I learned from that was to be a teacher and not a bully. And without that accident, I would have not have learned that. I would have went through my rest of my career yelling at young people, trying to make them do stuff rather than teach them. And that's yeah. that we have that no matter what we do, we always can get better, but we have to find a way to change ourselves. Now, I'm assuming you as well as applied that way of thinking um, into your parenting. But before we that, get yeah. that far, <laughs> but before we get that far, Nick, ask the most important first question we do on DadCast. Yeah. Are you a dad? Yes. Yeah, I have a son, right. Alex. He's 23 years old. Okay. Now, with that being said, uh, how have you applied that way of thinking from coaching into, you know, parenthood with your son? Here's, here's what we know. Here, we were all brought up differently. Okay. Some people were brought up hard. Some people brought, but we all knew, we all know what the right way, how we wanted to be treated. All right. So no matter how hard your bringing your your upbringing was, we know the truth of this is how I should have been brought up with. So I did not follow my parents the way they brought us up, other than they cared the world about me and they taught me right and wrong. 
But when we go through that process that we know how to bring children up, that we don't do it, hey, this is how I was brought up, okay? Sometimes that doesn't always work for other people. And so what I did was help him learn how to work in this world. And, and we talked about a lot. Now, he understood right and wrong. Don't get me wrong. Okay. He understands what's right and what's wrong. Uh, but he's an amazing young man. Uh, he's working on his master's, graduated in three and a half years uh, from, from his undergrad, got his degree in uh, sports science, and he'll finish his master's in a year and a half. And so he's just, he's just an amazing young man. Makes me proud every day. That's what it's all about, man. Take us back 24 oh. years ago. Yeah. You found out you're going to be a dad. How <laughs> can you recall the emotions of that day? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, pretty exciting. We, we've been married for 10 years, but um, I did not want my wife to have to raise two children, me and, and the child. Okay. Right. And I was, I was, I was uh, um, again, arrogant, ignorant, and, and inflexible. And it was one of those things that, that I had to grow up myself. And, and in coaching, in order to move on, you have to move, in order to move up, you have to move on. And so I knew we we're going to be moving a lot. And a lot of coaches' careers had stalled. They got stuck because I can't move because of my family. And so we made the conscious agreement that we're going to go ahead and the decision to not have children until we were in a somewhat of a stable spot. And right. so we were at the University of Tennessee when he was born in 1999. A year after that, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, uh, lymphomic cancer. All right. And so, you know, I just got my son. Right. All right. I, I have, have, you know, you know what, you know, what I had always wanted to have was a son to go on with life, you know, to teach all the stuff that I had learned and, and to, you know, to watch him grow and, and, and be successful. And all of a sudden they said, oh, you know, you got to you got a you know, 40 percent chance to survive this. You know, so so all of a sudden your world is is shaken. But, you know, I knew one thing. I, I may not be the, the best dad in the world, but I know I could raise him better than anybody else. And so I set my course. You know, I, this was not going to take me down. A month after I was diagnosed, I got the call from USC to be the head strength coach. And and the, and the nurse, when she put the first uh, needle in my arm, she said, OK, you're going to lose all your hair. and You're not going to be able to work. Well, I don't have great hair already, okay? <laughs> but, but the thing is... I know, we can't all be... Yeah, you know, we can't be like... You can't have the, the, the shark and everything going. <laughs> pretty cool. Um, but, but so I went to work at USC, and we were putting in 14-hour days to put the program in. And I asked Pete Carroll, I said, don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing. Right. Because I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. I want to go ahead and earn what we're doing on my own the way I am. And, you know, we, we turned that program and, and had a great run with there, but, you know, certainly it certainly did, but, but now that cancer, that there was your lesson there in the cancer. Also, remember the, the chicken house fan taught me not to be a bully. The cancer taught me to go ahead and balance my life. Uh, it was one of those things that I was so uh, focused on my career that I was leaving my wife and son behind. But at that moment when you're diagnosed, you know, and that was another gift right there. And people go, ah, I, I was being diagnosed with cancer, a gift. Well, it is. When you look at it the way that it changed my life and yep. that my family became the priority. So Pete Carroll sat down with us one time, the team, the staff, and said, I want you to write out your list of priorities. And some people had like 150 and they were subsetted and everything. And I had two. I said, number one is family. Number two, everything else. 
And that came from that cancer. And that's, you know, for dads out there, that's the thing you need to do is, is do fight your battle, win your wars and everything. But at the same time, don't neglect your family while you're doing it. Always find time, find time to be present in their lives. Yeah. That's always, uh, there's always that time, 86,000, what, uh, 400 seconds in the day. Mm-hmm. How do you use those seconds? How do you use every, how much time do you waste doing things that you shouldn't do? I, I loved golf. Golf was so much fun for me, but I put it away because I could not. Uh, I had a slice, so I put it away. No, <laughs> I, put it away I can't waste four hours doing something that I could be with my family with. Yeah, but what's to say you don't go golfing with the family on occasion? You killed two birds right there. Yeah. yeah that, you ever think of that? Golf. Come on. That's why I golf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a yeah, valid, yeah. valid point. Um, it, what you just mentioned, it, it it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. And obviously, I cannot take credit for it. I can't tell you who told me it um, or even where I read it. But it only takes a moment to make a moment. Okay. And that is, you know, like you said, there's 86,000 seconds in a day. Uh, you got time to make those moments, no matter how small and quick it is. Uh, mm-hmm. So anyone out there, any dads are saying, you know, I've got, I struggle with that daily too. You know, I, I spend a lot of time working. I've got other jobs, this podcast at times I have to leave them. I hate it. Um, my little girl, she's nine years old. She says, sometimes dad, you you work too much. You need to be at home and it breaks my heart. It kills me. Um, but these are the things I have to do to support the family at this point in time and finding that delicate balance, you know, it's, it's not easy, man, but you know, make the moments that's not hard to do. Thankfully I'm home every single day. It's not like I'm leaving for months at a time type scenario, but yeah, man, great. So 23 years old, getting his master's right. Well, it's amazing. Tremendous. You know, to, to, to go ahead and jump on with what you were just saying, it's not the, the quantity of time. It's the quality of time that you spend with your kids. You, you make, you, you don't just, yeah, I watch TV with my child. All right. Well, you know, that's, that, yeah, you were there present, but you weren't in their life. You weren't present right. in their, you know, so turn off the TV and find a way that you can teach them what you know, you know, teach them, you know, I, I, I do, I, I love magic because I love the, the process of the trick. You know, the trick is fine, but I love the process. I lo- love learning how it's all done and, and where to watch. So, you know, I teach my son that, I, you know, we, we sit together now that he's working at Arizona State University in the weight room of the football team. And we talk about strength conditioning now, you know, something I spent 35 years doing. He's in his second, third year with with ASU right now working in that program. And, and we can talk as as peers now. It's so cool to talk about the same ideas and, and he's having the same questions that I had. And so to share that to, to my son, that's that quality time. Yeah. Is there a wife or girlfriend in the life of your son? Uh, yes. Yeah. He has a young lady and uh, Colleen and she uh, she's a wonderful young lady and, you know, and we, we support them and, and uh, you know, all good with that. She's Amazing. She graduated. She, she works at Fox sports actually. And so, you know, there's a very strong possibility, I think of uh, a new title for you soon. And that would be grandpa, Chris Carla. <laughs> How you feel about that one? Uh, so we'll slow the roll on that. One. Well, I'm just, I know, <laughs> but the odds would tell you within the next five years, you will become a grandpa. There you uh, go. Every time JP talks with, I have a 25 year old. 
And every time he talks about this, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, Nick, no, no, you no understand it. <laughs> it's going to happen sooner than later. I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. And you had a grandkid who was older than your kid. <laughs> I know. Right. That's, that, uh, then you'd be yeah. pulling that crazy family stuff right there. Yeah. You know, wow. That is, that is good stuff. You know, you, I, since we have you on and, and I, I don't know when, you know, when you do these podcasts with other, if they typically talk sports and, and I know we try to stay dad centric, but I have you here and I'm a huge sports guy. So I, I just, I would love to chat a little bit about the ins and outs in particular, your time with USC in that era, because I grew up in Southern California. USC is my team. Um, cool. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up Reggie Bush, Liner, that whole friggin' era. Yeah. You worked directly with these athletes. Yes. What yes. are those guys yeah. like? What was the, your like that time like working with such a successful? I mean, and Pete Carroll bringing life into that organization. What were those times like? I mean, well, I want to I want to experience it. I want to live vicariously through you here for the next couple minutes. Here's what I learned from Pete Carroll: consistency. Be the same person. Monday through Sunday, when, when you see him on the field, that's how he is on Monday in practice or on Wednesday in practice. He's running at, around, he's jumping like running crazy. around, running with the team. He'll run down on special teams days, run down with a kickoff team during practice. You know, the, the, we had, let's say, uh, 50, uh, 57 guys dressed, and then you have all the other people on the sideline. My job during games was to take care of him. <laughs> because he would be out in the middle of the field if I wasn't there to, to keep pulling him back. Yeah. All right. And and so, but that's that's who he is. So we have Bill Belichick on one part of on one end of the string, or Nick Saban. And then on this end of the string, we have Pete Carroll and Sean McVay and those guys. Okay. Now they're totally different personalities, but the thing that ties them together is their success because they only know how to be who they are. And so when we take a look at what the success that USC had and the success we had in Seattle, it was due to a lot to Pete Carroll being a consistent person and then being consistent in my world in the way that I work with the athletes. I think that's one of the great tools that we have if we're running a business, if we're running even a a shift of, of, of workers is to be consistent with them, get their trust. When we're consistent, we get their trust. When they trust us, we can do anything we want. That goes back to being a father too, is that when you're consistent and they know what to expect, then they know how to act. And here's my expectations. Here's how we're going to do it. When we don't do it, this is what's going to happen. When we do it, this is what's going to happen. And so their expectations are met. The the routine is set. You're consistent and you go through that in life and all of a sudden great things happen. Reggie Bush comes to USC at 185 pounds, left at 205 won a Heisman Trophy, okay? He got faster in his 40, because I'm a great coach? No, (laughs) because he's a tremendous worker. Yeah. These kids were all gifted with great abilities. We had Carson Palmer who won a Heisman Trophy. We had Matt Leinart won a Heisman Trophy. Carson could throw the ball through a brick wall. Matt Leinart would find the crack in the brick wall and throw it through. All right, that was a two difference. But they still worked under Norm Chow, the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Now, Norm had a different playbook for, for Carson than he did for Matt. All right. Then you start bringing in Reggie, but then everybody forgets about Lendell White. Lendell oh, White was, God, I, was thunder and lightning. Whoo, that man. Yes. 
Yeah, and he could he could find that crack in a goal line, and he would slide in. Now Reggie was a flash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could get to zero to sixty that quick. All right, but then you had Mike Williams, and you have Dominic Bird. You had great offensive linemen going through there. Ryan Khalil. You know, it was just uh, just an amazing group. And then when you take that same philosophy and that same idea to Seattle, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you take a guy that's, you know, on the streets really from Buffalo, uh, Marshawn Lynch, and all of a sudden he finds his niche because he's allowed, because he understands consistently what his expectations are and what he needs to do. And then you have, uh, in, you bring in uh, uh, the, the Legion of Boom or really, and this is a cool story within that situation, the Legion of Boom, L-O-B, uh, was was a t- the name of the defensive backs during that period of time where successful uh, was given. But really, when you talk to Cam Chancellor, the safety, who was truly brought the boom in that group, LOB meant love our brother, okay, in which everybody came together and, and they played for each other. It wasn't, you know, Marshawn. It wasn't Russell. It wasn't Richard. It was about us playing as a team. And so when you look at that roster and you look at that offensive line, it's like, geez, they've won a Super Bowl with this. Yeah. And the quarterback was five, five, ten and a half, you know, and <laughs> and and you know, you, you look at the the situation that we had there, and it was all because these guys came together. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed together to play together and that happened at USC when I was at Tennessee when we won same thing you know there was Jamal Lewis there was but um, uh, Peyton Manning had graduated the year before in 97 and we won the national championship in 98 you know and, and so that's what happens when you get the philosophy and everybody understands their role and everybody's playing for each other and that's the same thing that happens in a family that when everybody is working to the good of the family and everybody is consistent, they have their routine, they understand your expectations, then great things can happen. There's not that petty jealousy of, you know, oh, it's your turn, it's my turn. It's not that way. We work together to achieve the goal that we have. And so when you accomplish goals, you can achieve the dream. And it's just that step from one step to the other, but you have to have that trust and being trusted, that trust in the family, that trust in the team will go ahead and, and take you miles and miles from where you're at right now. Chris Carlisle, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to get back, if you're not already, into coaching and knock some sense into my freaking Las Vegas Raiders and get them back on track. Because 
It's been a rough 25 years, all right? And from what I'm hearing and seeing from you, no matter where you go, you instill this sense of winning and pride and doing it right. So that's just a small favor. You know, I'm asking there you. you go. We need, we need, we need, uh, I need to get Josh on the phone and be like, hey, man, you know, you need to bring Chris aboard here because we need, we need go. to write this and, ship. And talk to Mark Davis. Yeah. yeah. Call Mark Davis. Tell him, you know, we got and, the answer here. And, and so. question two was uh, Russell Wilson as cringy back then as he is now? Oh, Russell Wilson <laughs> is an amazing, amazing young man. Okay. This young man, uh, I'm trying to think of the hundred Russell Wilson stories and everybody's looking at Russell now and they're giving him a really hard ride. Yeah. They fired the head coach. Did any, nobody, did everybody miss that? That there was a head coach who, who got into a situation he wasn't prepared for oh, and yeah, yeah. put Russell in a bad situation and 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 so no wonder it didn't work. Sean Payton will help yeah, you turn that around. Though it's going to be a it's going to be a tough road to hoe right now, because here's the rules in the NFL. Yeah, if you have a fifty million dollar quarterback, you better have draft choices to build your team. If you have a ten million dollar quarterback, then you can, you have money for free agents and you can build the team that way. They have neither draft picks, and they have a fifty million dollar quarterback. Yeah, but you know what? They got Sean Payton coming in. So uh Yeah, but he doesn't play anymore. No, he sure doesn't. But it it's if there's any some saving grace, you know, again, it's about coaching up a team. Well, uh, it, there, it, there's it, X's and O's, but there's also Sammy's and Joe's. <laughs> All right. And I'm so, having an argument with a bona fide Super Bowl winning coach and acting like I know what I'm talking about, Nick. <laughs> but I'm a strength what coach and nobody listens. I'm, so I'm, just, I'm just sitting back like, what, why? Yeah, why, what is, what why, is, why are you questioning this? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just going to take a step back and I need to know my role and shut my mouth. No, no, Dwayne no. Johnson hey, that, would this say. Is, hey, this, this is, this is, this discourse is, it helps all of us grow. I learn from you. You learn from me. And that's, you know, I keep taking things just like you're talking about, you know, about being the dad. Kid. This this goes back to a family, too. It's OK to have discussions in your family. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if I'm right and <laughs> which doesn't happen often, you know, that, <laughs> that you know, but but if I'm wrong, you know, my wife is sure to tell me. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's one of those things that happens every day. And so, but, but she, she allows me my faults and, you know, and we move on and, and I, you know, and I, like I talk about and everything we, 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 we learn and then we move on, we learn and we move on, you know, we yep. continue. I learned not to stick my head into a chicken house fan. All right. <laughs> but, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, do you, what, what happened there? I got to ask. I mean, you, I mean, okay. I, I don't think you're a type of man who would literally purposely put his face. Uh, you know, you don't know me when I was younger. Okay. Okay. I mean, was That's this a so, bad bet gone wrong? I mean, what happened here? <laughs> so, so it's, it's my first day in the gym and it's in June. And I just got the job at Subiaco Academy, which is a, a uh, boys uh, prep school in uh, uh, kind of West Central Arkansas in Subiaco. Town's about 600 people. And but the 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 school is run by Benedictine monks, the most amazing group of men you've ever been around. Just so spiritual, they really tied it, and they worked a farm anyway. So in the weight room, they have a chicken house fan. Chicken house fan has blades that are about nineteen inches by about twelve inches, and they're stainless steel, and they cool the chicken houses in Arkansas. Now the fan is only covered on one side with a screen, right? The other part is sitting outside and nobody, everybody knows not to stick their head into it. They didn't tell me that. And so when I plugged the fan in, when we started the workout, sparks 
came out of the wall, you know, out of the cord because the cord was frayed. And I said, hey, Mama Carlisle didn't bring up a dummy. I'm not going to touch that cord again because right. I get electrocuted and I die on the spot. And so after the workout, I threw the, some balls out to the boys and they were going to go out and start playing on the field. And I, I said, there's got to be a switch on that motor. Okay. And so I looked around the motor and I tried to look over the top of it and that blade hit me. Now I bent that JP and, and Nick, I bent that blade at a 90 degree angle. It was stainless steel. It did not knock me out. Now it did crush my skull. It yeah. shoved the, the skull into the brain, tore the brain sack, but it did not. I, I'm hardheaded is what, you know, I lived up to my mom. You're hardheaded. And I, I lived up to that. And so, you know, and so this is all titanium, all this right through here is titanium by, by God's grace, it jumped over my eye and just crushed my cheek, uh, my, my, my uh, cheekbone. So, so it didn't touch my eye. I'm blessed in that, but it did give me the great lesson of my life, you know, and, and the, and the lesson there is that I needed to learn how to be a teacher. Stop being a bully. Right. Because that's all I had. The only tool I had in my coaching toolbox after 11 years was a sledgehammer. Right. And so, so, you know, God works in, in tremendous ways and sometimes he nudges you and sometimes he takes a newspaper, rolls it up, hits you across the nose. And other times he takes an industrial chicken house fan and, yeah. and pops you in the head. Okay. But that's the kind of guy I needed that lesson because it allowed me to go from where I was to who I am today. Yep. That's so, everything, so, everything that happens in life. Whew, man. Oh, man. I, I, oh. the, that's that story. And I guess you ain't kidding. You did stick your face in that fan, but I, I did. You know I what? Did it. Yeah, that's one of the coolest scars I've ever seen. I, I right? stopped so the you fan. Got that stop the fan. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, very Machiavelli. I, I, you know, the ends justify the means, and I wanted right. to shut the fan off. Boom! I used uh, my head. Did so, it knock you, know, you unconscious? You said it did knock you no, unconscious. No, no, I didn't go unconscious until the doctor pulled the bandage off, put it back on, and said, "Get him in the ambulance. We got to get him to Fort Smith." And the nurse said, "Shouldn't we call flight for life?" And she and he says, "We don't have enough time." Huh. I thought, well, yep. All right. Now's a good time to knock myself <laughs> out on this one. Excellent. Left. And so oh, I got man. there. I was in a, you know, I was in a coma. And, and, and here's the thing. The first thing I wrote, cause I wanted to write. And, and here's the thing I, I learned. I taught myself early uh, sign language, just the letters. And I was sign languaging. I need to move. Here's a problem. Nobody in the room understood how to read my sign language because I, yep. I probably spelled it somewhere along the way. And so I finally got a piece of paper and I wrote it that I need to move. And so when we talk about my book, Move or Die, all right, that's where it actually came. My, my, my training philosophy about movement, you know, 80% of my training philosophy is in movement, speed, agility, power, and endurance. And only 20% is in strength. And so most programs are flip-flop on that, 80% about strength. And 20% about movement. But if we think about the game of football, 11 against 11, the ball snapped. The one thing they all have in common is they they're move. all moving. And so if they, my guys move better than yours, I've now made my guys better athletes. Yeah. When a coach has better athletes, I've never heard a coach said, you know, hey, you know, I was such a crappy coach. I had great athletes, but a crappy coach. No, they always go, ah, you know, I just don't have the athletes. All right. Well, what happens if we build athletes and make them better? all of a sudden we have a chance to be successful. So when we're looking at our, our professional life, what is it that you're trying to get done? What's your end game? What's your, your smallest, most, you know, smallest common denominator? What is it? And so when you figure that out, then go ahead and expand on that. 
But people in, in the strength conditioning world, they still worry about how much, how mm-hmm. much we run, how much we lift, and how much can we, we handle. And my yes. philosophy was how to, how fast, how much. The last thing I worried about was how much. We look at life, it's the same thing. You've got to have your teaching hierarchy. All right, what, what's your hierarchy? Well, hey, I've got to have passion. So when we're talking about a family, when we're talking about your work, we're talking about our life, we got to have a passion. we got to love what we do more than anything. It, 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 things can't be good. If, if I was to ask Nick how Sophie was, <laughs> I expect him to expound upon that because he understands that she is a gift that has been given to him. And talk about his son, let's talk and let's lift him up also. Okay. And so we, we have this in our life. So it's now we have to have a passion. We have to prepare better than everybody else. It's what we go through in life. It's our preparation to what we do. We, we have to practice what we do. When we talk to our kids, just don't blurt something out. Let's run it through the old mill once or twice and practice and see how it sounds when we're talking about it. All right? Then our performance. All right. How, how do we want to come off? All right. Do we want to be the bully or do we want to be the teacher? Because everything's a teachable moment. And then finally, how much are we ready to persevere? All right. How much are we re- ready to handle? That's what stops so many people. All right. I read a great book, great book. And this is, I'm going to go, I'm passing it. A book called The Last Lecture by Randy Posh. In the book, uh, Randy Posh talked, and Randy Posh was a professor at um, Carnegie Mellon University. And Carnegie Mellon every year has a program called The Last Lecture in which they have people come in. And if this was your last lecture, what would it be? Well, Randy Posh had pancreatic cancer, only had a couple months to live. And so he does his talk. It's on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing or just a small section I'm going to talk about right now. And he talked about the walls. And he said, those walls that you find in life are not meant to stop you. They're meant to see how bad you want whatever it is on the other side of the wall. The walls that are in front of you are there to stop the other people. So think about those things that have stopped you in the past. Was it a chicken house fan? Heck no. Was it cancer? Heck no. All right. I, I, of my nine life, I have, I have two left. That's the kind of life I've lived. I do I've not want to hear those other five end. events. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to go to a whole nother podcast, <laughs> right. you know, but, but it's one of those things that, that yeah, of my nine life, I have two left. And, and, but, but the thing is that as we go through life, what's going to stop you. And, and I talk about it in the book. People get stuck, they stagnate, and they're professionally, they die. Think about you as a father. What's going to stop you from being a great father? What's going to get in your way from you being the best father ever? Not a damn thing. Okay. Well, I wish I wish everybody, JP, had your background, your, your understanding of this, okay? Because it's not happening in our world. And that's what's happening in our world is that we don't have enough people helping our young people understand how life can be lived. All right. So, so, you know, what's going to stop you from being the best father. Okay. So what are you willing to do to go ahead and help your children? That wall that's stopping you. All right. You know, that whatever it is in your world that's stopping you, if it's your work, if it's, if it's, if it's an anxiety problem or depression problem, will I seek the help I need to have so I can be a better parent because stuff goes wrong in this world. Stuff happens in here. That's not right. We're not, sometimes the wiring isn't great, but now what are you willing to do to uh, overcome that? 
you know, I don't like the way I feel, you know, when I'm on the meds, that's okay because your kids love you when you're on the meds. <laughs> so take yourself out of the boat and yeah. say, you know what, I'm going to suck it up and suffer. So my family does not have to suffer for my, my inconsistencies. And then what are you willing to do? What are you willing to persevere to become that father that, that, that your children need? Well, my parents, no, 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 don't bring your world in because it's already been lived. If it was wrong, okay, learn from it, learn and move on. Remember, if you want to be better or if if you want to be different, you've got to think different. And so, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. So in the book, we call it stuck. And we talk about uh, you become uh, part of the world that you're in. You stagnate in that world. And then all of a sudden, professionally, you die. As a parent, you die. Not, hey, people die all the time in business. You know, you, you get to a certain point and 50 years later, you know, you die professionally. 50 years later, they bury you because you didn't follow that passion, that thing that you knew you were better at than everybody else. You know, that's the thing that we have to find in life. We have to understand why we're here. You know, what's, what's, what's our passion? What, what are we truly here for? Now, what are you willing to do to get it? Eight years old. Nate Lau and I playing football in the backyard of his house. I told Nate, I'm going to win a Super Bowl. Eight years old. When I was 48, I won a Super Bowl. Now, as that eight-year-old, in your mind, was it as a player? Yes, it was. Okay. It don't but matter. You still won enough. that Super Bowl, didn't you? Yeah, I, I wasn't good enough. And that was okay. I didn't say, well, screw it. I can't be. It, hey, I still had the goal to become it. If, if I'm a five foot two young lady and I want to, you know, win a national championship or a, a world championship in basketball, I'm probably not going to be a player, but I can be like Jeannie Buss and become an owner. Yeah. Or I can become a general manager or I become an agent or I can become an athletic trainer or a strength coach or I can work in the ticket office. I can find a way to help a team accomplish my goal. And so, yeah, I, 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 my career ended at Shadron State College, Division II school in Western Nebraska, best place in the world, teaching school, got my teaching degree there. And when I went there, now I have a face made for radio, okay? (laughs) It was six to one girls to guys, okay? Six to one. Got a great education and and, and girls would talk to me. Yeah. What a, what a world. And, and you're out there, uh, you know, it's a small town, about six, 8,000 people. But you know what? Great education. And Jerry Welch once taught us, you make any place as big or as small as you want it to be. I've there got lifelong friends from that point. Yeah, I, I've, got, I've got friends that if I needed anything, they'd be here in a second because of our experiences together in a small college. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not ending this, by the way. He... Yeah is Chris Carlisle, former strength and conditioning coach for the Seattle Seahawks and many other teams. My personal favorite, the USC Trojans with Pete Carroll back in the day, early 2000s. And yeah, fight on, baby. Uh, He's the author of Move or Die, as you can see in the background. Um, Man, you are my favorite type of guest. Let me tell you why. I haven't had to talk much. It's a beautiful thing. It really I don't is. Talk much, so and, this is working Nick, out great. For me. Never talks at all. But you add you into the mix, and I, that there's the first set to Nick in about 20 minutes. Uh, I'm going to tone this one down and back it off, and give Nick his opportunity to do a fast five. This is the segment where we uh, ask you five quick questions. They're not important. They're usually kind of silly. And here we go. 
Cool. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? I'm going to guess move or die. <laughs> move or die. Uh, believe in you. I like it. No, no, no. Here's one. Here's one. I'm, I'm thinking about a t-shirt on this. Here, here's one. Don't let your dream end with an excuse. Ooh. 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 Nightmares are dreams too, though. Just remember. Ah, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. All right. What's your favorite meal to cook for your kid? Back when you did. When you did. Yeah. Oh, he still comes home. Uh, I'm like, I'm sure you probably love, still cook. Uh, uh, steak. Steak, baked potatoes. I, I, nice. I'm a griller. Now, now, hey, souve. If you don't know souve, find it, okay? It's water immersion. You cook the steak in a, in a sealed bag in water. Get it up to medium rare if you're a medium rare guy. Put it on the grill for a minute on each side. It is medium rare from top to bottom, side to by, side. Souve, S-O-U-S-V-I-D-E. S-O-U-S-V-I-D-E. The best steaks. Now, can you do that with a big fat tri-tip? Yes. Oh, yeah. All right, I'm in. You, you put well. No, no, no. Now that's going to be really big. Yeah, you could, but a tri-tip, you're going to go ahead and, and smoke that. So I mean, yeah. that's 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 an. I, know, I did I'm an talking about a, a grilled steak or pork chops, not chicken. Chicken's too easy. You can. I can do chicken thighs. Like you know, <laughs> that, that I just left or right. I can throw those out. Okay. Sorry, these questions are now this fast five. It's really right. Well, that's okay. But I never, I didn't give you the disclaimer at the beginning of the show, Chris. Uh, this we tend to go off the rails, and by ten to every single episode, so it's okay. This is this wouldn't be a dad cast episode if this didn't happen. That's great. I love it. All I right, your so funniest fun. parenting fail. Okay. Um, yeah, we never won the parent of the year award. <laughs> um, so we were not we, there we yet either. To, yeah, we just moved to California and we were walking hand in hand, my wife and my my little son, who's a year and a half old, and we're walking. We just got the USC job. We're we're at uh uh we're um we're on the beach and and all of a sudden here and the waves are tickling our feet and it's a, like April, so the waters in the Pacific still cold. And we're walking and walking. All of a sudden, a big wave comes in and hits him right in the midsection. Okay, his diapers fill with sea uh, with ocean cold water. Okay, uh-huh. no. so he cringed up, and so yeah, I didn't win the Parent of the Year award. That's <laughs> good one. That's yeah. original. We haven't heard that one yet, Nick. That is a good one. Yeah. All right, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and go back to sports on this one. Okay. What What have you noticed? Because you you've been a coach for thirty something years, right? What have you noticed? Mm-hmm for players from when you first started to how social media has taken over mm-hmm. and it's become more of a me, me, me mm-hmm. atmosphere yeah. that I, that I've noticed anyway of with, with younger athletes of it's, it's more about how many followers they have, mm-hmm. how popular they are. What's the question, Nick? Just what, what have you, what have you <laughs> noticed and how, how has it changed your coaching? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There is a question in there. Okay. okay. Here, here's, here's, here, I want to talk about. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to. Two answers here. First of all, the thing that's gone wrong with football today is fundamentals. They don't teach fundamentals anymore. No, no tackling, no blocking. You know, everything's just running down the field and see how fast it's. I it's, know. I'm a Raider fan. Yeah, it's fast break <laughs> offense. It's, it's it's just try to slow them down defense. You know, when you get a great defender, a defensive coach like like uh, Dan Quinn, then all of a sudden they're just oh, he's amazing. Yeah. That's the way football used to be. You know, that's how, you know, we we won all those championships was 
because we had a great defense and, and the offense didn't hurt us. Um, but as far as social media and everything, here's the thing. The professional athletes are coached on how to talk and think and say, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is one of the most amazing communicators uh, when it comes to social media, when it comes to sound bites and everything. Russell Wilson is amazing at it because they've worked at this. But now when when things happen and they're 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 branding themselves. Um, and I'll talk about our branding episode. So we just beat the 49ers. Richard Sherman tipped the ball. Uh, we intercepted the ball in the end zone and we, we, we were going to go to the Super Bowl. All right. And this was 2013. And so, and so the, the reporter asked Richard about the, the wide receiver and Richard went off. Yep. All right. You, if you remember that Michael Crabtree, but, but the, the, the thing is that Richard was not that guy when you talk to him every day, what he did was he branded himself. He's kind of the, the villain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which was okay. It's like wrestling. Everybody, you know, there's, there are the villains and then, then there are the, the good guys and stuff. And so he branded himself with that moment. And so he kind of lives up to that moment. Still uh, just one of the most amazing young men that I've ever been around, but he, you know, there's that villain part that he plays when he's on, when the camera's on and, and too many people don't understand that. They think they have to go ahead and live that that persona every single day, you know. And that's you know, it's like the wrestlers. You know, the the villain is probably not a villain guy. The Undertaker is probably not the Undertaker in real life. You know? Right. Well, you actually, know, it's, it's funny you actually chose him as an example. Yeah. Of all the wrestlers, I, and I'm a fan. Okay, since I was little, okay. he's the one guy who, for 25 years of a career, played that persona off camera he wouldn't oh, really? do interviews he wouldn't huh? sign autographs wow. he he was and, and he wasn't he was just i am the dead man you know okay. he he okay. he. and finally recently after retiring he's come out and now he's doing all the interviews now he's signing all the autographs doing all the documentaries and explaining all that so it's it's but but yeah yeah i, I understand exactly yeah. what you mean and that's the answer to that question nick is yeah. right. they, they're trying to work the gimmick Right. I know this fascinates me of yeah. like, you know, seeing how going to games when I was a little kid and seeing how the players have changed over time and seeing is the, the my frustration is like it's it seems more like it's about the money and they're not they don't play for the love of the game as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like, oh man, is it is that do you notice that on the field or is that just something um, that fans you know, notice? You you watch sports now and they have to take uh you know personal wellness days. You know, mm-hmm. when, when, when Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell played, they didn't hop in the team plane and fly to the next place. They hopped in the team bus yeah. and drove to the next place. They didn't have trainers attending to them. They were given a bag of ice as they walked out the, out of the door. And yeah. they were able to play, and I'm not sure if they played 82 games, let's just say they did, but they would play every single game under conditions that today would be squalorous, you know, in, in the way that – what they were back in the sixties and seventies compared to the way they are today, mm-hmm. you know, where they're taken care of and they have masseuses and they have everybody who takes care of them. They don't have to pick up a bag. They don't have to do anything. They just, oh, they just show up, yeah. but I need a, I need a day off. I need a day off because it's too hard on me. It's 82 days. It's because a lot of society these days has gone soft and it's bled into every other aspect of it, including your perception of sports, Nick, yeah. and, and or, the or, did, or did sports bleed off into society? 
Well, I'm not making 82 million a year to be a dad, so I, I don't think so. <laughs> well, maybe not the finances, but the way they're living. I, I just read yeah, an article yeah, yeah. on uh, this uh, professor. Well, she, she's she's not a professor. She has a doctorate in education, saying that young children shouldn't be given homework. That if you can't do it during the eight hours of of class, then they shouldn't have homework. Yeah, that's that's actually being applied in my life. They yeah. my teachers aren't sending my kids home with schoolwork. So, so homework so, you know, it blows my mind. Where, you know, is a teacher in that 40 minutes they're given able to give all the information that they would have picked up? And I don't think you need to do four hours of homework. But I think there needs to be a continued education that we're, these young people are sponges yeah, and they will pick up anything you can. So what we're doing is we're taking them out of school and we're going to go ahead and put one of these in their hands. And they're going to get educated in a different way. They're going to go ahead and get inundated by, you know, all the all the social media and everything. And then we start having problems with with young children, you know, about depression and, and different things that we haven't had. But we've always taken time in their life as parents. We, we, we give them our time and we're teachers at home. And now we're, we're not, you know, it, it's. I, I do a talk called um, uh, Real Magic or Tricks. And like I said, I, I dabble with magic, you know, card tricks and such. And I talk about the real magic. And, and I talk about my friend who's an artist, who's one of my quarters, Scott Christensen, ChristensenStudios.com. He's an amazing artist, one of the top artists, the youngest artist ever to be elected into the Western Artist Hall of Fame. That's how good he is. So, so Scott talks about the last 10% is when the magic happens where he has a painting and then it goes from just a painting to a masterpiece. And so, you know, that's at 10%. Um, Quincy Jones talks about that left last 25% is where the magic is. When, when, when God walks through it and, and the song becomes, you know, a hit and it's that last 25%. And, and, and today we, we, we live with people who are trick people. A study once showed that uh, on an average day, a person goes to work, and works for four hours during the day. Four hours. They get paid for eight, but for four hours, they, 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 they busy themselves doing other things rather than doing the work that they're getting paid for. Then they drive home and they pick up takeout food, and then they go and they put it and they eat on trays in front of the TV and let the TV go ahead and soak into their kids. On average, how much time does a parent have in speaking to their children? One-on-one, deep talk. Well, if you go more than a minute and a half in a week, in a week is what studies show, less than 90 seconds of real talk between a parent and a child. Not, how was your day? How is everything? Did you get to, hey, what are you thinking about these days? What do you think about this problem? How are you dealing with this? Actually climbing into their head and helping them arrange all that crap that's been put in there. A minute and a half is all we're giving to our children today. And we wonder what's happening to society. And that's our job right there. And so that's a trick. That, that, that guy who goes to work and puts in four hours, who picks up food to go, who sits in front of a TV and eats with his children, and then spends a minute and a half with them. That's the trick. The magic is 
when, when you allow things to develop, like Scott Christensen and Quincy Jones or, or, or Mother Teresa. And this is a great story. I read it. I can't remember the book I read it in, but it's a great story. So she's looking for alms for her, her, her orphans. And she walks to a, 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 into a, a shop and she puts out her left hand and she says, uh, you know, alms for the children. And he spits in her hand. And she puts it to her chest and she goes, thank you. That's for me. Do you have anything for the children now? That's where the magic is. That's where the magic happens in our lives. It's the tricks and it's the magic. And it's our jobs as parents to make sure that magic happens by spending an hour and a half with them of that. And, and, and Nick and, and JP, we talked about, you know, not amount of time. It's that quality of time. Yep. Where we sat down and we learned about who lives in our house. Mm-hmm where they feel comfortable to come down and sit next to you and say, I've got a problem. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a tough one. Even when you do spend the time, you know, (laughs) wow. I would like to, uh, I, I have three. Oh, of course there's my daughter. And what's her name? Her name is Avery. And I lost my screen because she called. Let's put that back on. Uh, she just got out of school. She's nine years old. Oh, there she goes again. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. Hold on. That's okay. It's it's a dad cast. I know. It's supposed to happen. This is supposed to happen. And she, it's going to happen again. Are you ready? Is it going to happen again? <laughs> We're into the conversation. Let's you talk. Just get, I, I was going to. She even FaceTimed. Okay, we'll FaceTime her back. But I have three. There it is. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hi, darling. So, so you remember the talk we had about if I didn't immediately pick up the phone, that something was going on. Do you remember? Do you remember? Well, anywho, since you called, say hi to Chris Carlisle because we're in the middle of a podcast taping. <laughs> hey, Avery, how are you? Oh, say hi to Chris and then I'll call you back. Hi, Avery. <laughs> it's hard to get. I love you, baby. I'll call you back when I'm done. Actually, you're walking home. I'll see you in a minute. Come in the garage when you get here. Okay. It, it chaos. That's so, supposed to happen. That's life. Yeah, it is. That's life. It's it is. But 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 there's 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 rules too. You know, it's there's rules <laughs> that are applied. And you know, but th- th- there's the thing. You know, I, I tell her if I don't immediately answer that to not call right back because you know she'll. She's a nine years old. And since she's yeah. been seven, she'll call like 85 times in a row. And I finally pick up and say, baby, is an emergency. And she's like, no, I just was wondering if I could have a Capri Sun. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to miss those times. All right. Yeah. So, so, so here's, here's what my son texted me today. He said, had five different guys on five entirely different lifts today during the skill group. So that was fun. Uh, our lift group went by in five minutes. So that's my son. My son doesn't call. He sends me texts. Yeah. About what he went through. Well, when, okay. when my I kids, when she I hits 23, it. if I get a text, I'm going to be so happy. Exactly. And, it and is. So when she comes in, you hug her and tell you you love her. 
and, 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 you know, and ask her about her day and ask her, Hey, I have a Capri Sun waiting for you. Oh, absolutely. That's what I do. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but again, when I'm in the middle of recording a show, I, yeah. it, the problem is, is when she calls, it's connected to my studio thing here. I yeah. lost you guys. It disappeared. Oh. And then I had to change different screens and it's just chaos that didn't chaos. need to happen. I'm a perfectionist when it comes to the whole yeah. audio visual hey, thing in the show. So that's all good. No, you didn't uh, disappear from us. You're well, good. but it, it, I'm running the show and it disappears. It freaks me out. I'm like, did I get disconnected? Oh no! All right, I'm gonna circle back. We got one. We got one more question on. One more question. Okay, and then I got a couple, and then we're out. The fast five. That's right. What's yeah, your uh, What's your greatest dad accomplishment? I'm not screwing up my son, allowing my wife to go ahead and and help him uh, understand a lot of things. You know, because he takes. Here's one of my favorite moments when they argue. It's like a mirror. They're just arguing. <laughs> just, they, neither of them will let that last word go. And I'm kind of like, all right. <laughs> you know, Isn't it me? Fair. You're right. I <laughs> left it out. I didn't do it right. <laughs> so I don't argue. I just like take it. But but they yeah. just they just go. But my 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 greatest thing, I didn't screw him up. I did I didn't put my ideas on him, even though he's becoming a strength coach. I told him when he he was in um, computer science and he was two years in, he'd just taken um, uh, one of these advanced maths. I, I'm not good in math. I have dyscalculia. And so I can't understand numbers. And he's like in this way off math, which is concepts. And I, I, I he, he outstrided me in the third grade. All right. He was past. I couldn't help him with homework after third grade. It was like, eh, sorry about that. But, but, you know, I, I did not try to slow it, but he came to me and said, dad, I want to get in strength conditioning. I said, no, no, no. You're an amazing photographer. You're an amazing writer. Sport, you, you need to get into, into, uh, um, into journalism and photojournalism. And he goes, dad, I grew up in sports. I, I can't think of anything but being in sports. And now remember he switched after two years. He still graduated in three and a half years, changed the whole subject from computer science all the way to sports science. And, and even though they have science in them, they had nothing to do with each other. Yeah. And that's how amazing he is. And I didn't screw that up, you know, and that's, that's the best thing I ever did as a father. And, and when it comes down to it, isn't that literally what it is about being a dad? Don't screw up your kids. <laughs> it's yeah, right. It, it is. It, it is. is. Get them to 18, somewhat level-headed with, you know, goals in mind. We've yeah. success. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like I said, okay. So, here are my final finality questions. The last okay. one is the most important one I ask on this show, in my opinion. But a couple of lighthearted ones before that. A, one, uh, you mentioned some names Carson Palmer, Reggie Bush, mm -hmm. Matt Liner, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Pete Carroll. Do you have mm -hmm. any of them on speed dial? Because we'd love to have them on Dadcast. <laughs> I don't know if they, I don't know. I, I have them. I don't know if they'll respond to me. You know? Yeah, fair enough. It's, fair it's enough. Four Look, years. If you four don't years. ask, if you don't ask, you never know the that. result. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, question two You've worked and coached for so many teams, professional, collegiate, even high school, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, before all that, before you did them, do you have a favorite NFL team coming from the place of a fan? Yeah, when I grew up, it was Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, yeah, you know, and and but and, and so I know that's really current now. But I, I mean, Len Dawson, Ed Podlack, um, Willie Lanier, uh, Buck Buchanan, Otis Taylor, Emil Wright, Jack Rudney, 
you know, I, you know, I, I knew all the, all the chiefs back then during the Hank Stram days. Right. Now, did that now, come problem, from a, a point of ge- geographically from no, where you grew up? I, I grew up in uh, Northern Iowa. And so we only got Minnesota Vikings on TV during the old, the Chuck Foreman and Fran yeah. Parkinson uh, days. My mom was from Wisconsin. And so she was a big Packer fan. And so my thing was the, the chiefs beat the Vikings and I hated the Vikings with a, with a passion. And so the chiefs became my favorite team. Okay. Right. My favorite baseball player, Roberto Clemente, you know, because I watched an all-star game where he threw the ball from right field fence through a strike to the catcher to get a guy out. <laughs> All right. I mean, Roberto right. Clemente, you know, just, just amazing. Okay. So those are lighthearted ones. Now, Mr. Chris Carlisle, the Sorry. final question we have for you today Um I'll get to in just one sec. I would like to also extend an invitation to you every single year. We do a Father's Day episode. Now, with time obviously allowing and your schedule allowing, obviously, we are not going to record that show on Father's Day. It's usually a couple of weeks prior. We get as many of our previous guests from the earlier year um, on one Zoom call. So there's going to be, you know, 20, 30 Brady Bunch blocks here on this screen. And we all just wish each other a happy Father's Day. We introduce each other, some, you know, celebrity sports stars to movie stars, to TV stars, to former coaches of Seattle Seahawks strength. You know, that's a whole smorgasbord of different dads. And it's a fun episode and it gets chaotic. We'd love to have you on for that if you're available when the time comes. Send me the email. I'll be on. Yes. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the, the, the connections you get, it's just amazing what we've seen. So cool. I, I think um, we need to do a part two also. I think there's so much more we can learn. Yeah. If you're willing talk. to do a part two, maybe yeah. Nick can talk some more. You know, we'll- yeah, yeah, he's really <laughs> carried the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all over it. My back hurts from carrying the show. I know. So bad. So bad. So bad. All right. <laughs> here we go. Um, like I said, I don't want to hype it up, but this is like my favorite question to ask. And I love getting different views from different dads. Chris Carlisle, if you could give one piece of advice to any new or about to become dad, what's that advice going to be? Uh, spend your time with them. You know, time is, uh, you, you can never get it back. Uh, my son was, was just born six months ago and now he's 23. Yeah. So value every second you have with them. And, and with that time, you bond with them. And it's, and it's I, I remember my wife was a shopper and we would go and we'd, I'd find a chair with Alex and, and I, I had a football and a key fob and I'd work it in and out. We worked on eye-hand coordination, all right? And so as a senior in high school, he led his baseball team in batting with a 400 average because he had such good eye-hand coordination. I blame myself. That is as rightly you should. We could we could sit there and watch my wife shop, and she's a tremendous shopper. All right, and you should see her closet full. And when she see my closet, it's 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 my closet. And and but but his eye hand coordination was something that uh, I you know. And so you find those moments, those eighty six thousand seconds that you find those seconds to go ahead and make uh, impact in their lives. To help them, you know, and again, like I talked about that communication thing, that when they know you're there for them, they'll come when they when, when they need you. But there but you if go. you don't have that connection with them, they're going to find it from somebody else. Sound advice from Mr. Chris Carlisle, author of Move or Die. Speaking of which, where can our listeners, our fans, our viewers, our watchers get their grubby little hands on that book? Um, 
my website, www.thecoachcarlisle.com is, and, and that will tie you to all my, uh, to where my book is. It has my blogs. It has all my social media. Uh, I don't remember all the addresses on social media, but you can get them there. There you uh, go. Cecilia Roy is my web goddess. She she put it all together. And so all I have to do is do content and she does all the other work. So so I'm I'm blessed to have her in my life. So and there you have it. Well, Chris, Mr. Carl, thank you so much, man, for taking the time coming on Dadcast. It was truly an honor. Uh, we'd love to do a part two. Looking forward to that Father's Day episode. Yep. And uh thank you, man. No problem. Let me know. You guys. I enjoyed this. This was great. I I, I was watching some of your podcasts on, on, you know, just to see who you were and everything. I thought this is going to be a this is going to be fun. Good. I'm glad so, you were. And I, and I had I had a blast. I had I'm a glad blast. You didn't just say no. Oh, I don't want to go on that show. Yeah. No. 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 no, no it still blows make... my mind that you know dads out there of all calibers uh, seek out this show and want to be on it. It's it's truly a blessing and we're honored, man. It's That's great. Thank really you. Really cool for having me. And yeah. to all of you watching and listening, wherever you may be, however you may be listening and watching worldwide. Thank you so much. Uh, make sure you like up, subscribe, comment, do all the things. And of course, we'll catch you on the very next episode. Have a great rest of your day. See ya. And check out our brother podcast, Rockstar Dad Podcast with Jared and Gary from Bowling for Soup. Everywhere you get podcasts. Very Thanks, good, guys. Nick. Very good. Nick. Thank you. Thank you.